Thank you for downloading this episode of our podcast. Hi, and welcome to the podcast for Solomon Staircase Masonic Lodge number 357, where we talk about all things related with Freemasonry, including hermetic teachings, philosophy, reason, spirituality, and much more. We're located in Buena Park, Southern California. Tune in as we continue to update our podcast with informative talks and articles for Masons worldwide and those who would like to inquire within. The following article is from the September 1999 Scottish Rite Journal of Freemasonry, Southern Jurisdiction, USA, and is titled Tyler, Doorkeeper, Garter, or Outer Guard, by Naresh Sharma, 32nd Degree. Historically, the Tyler had many duties in addition to guarding the lodge. The Tyler is the only office holder in a Masonic lodge who not only may be paid for his services, but also does not have to be a member of the lodge or even a member of the craft to hold that office. Now, I'm going to pause here. That's a little different in Southern California or in California. For example, our secretary is a paid position in our lodge, and I believe even the assistant secretary can be paid. Uh, but as far as the rest of that, yes, you can have a visitor from another lodge or anybody basically be the guard or the tiler. And back to the article. Yet the tiler's duties have always been very important to the lodge's meetings and activities. References to the tiler in a Masonic lodge and the many duties he performs enjoy a prominent place in the Masonic ritual. Today's organized Freemasonry is descended directly from the first or premier Grand Lodge formed in London on June 24, 1717. In the 18th and 19th centuries, the doorkeeper, or garter, as the tiler was then called, not only tiled the lodge, but also served summons of meetings to each member, drew the lodge on the floor with chalk at every meeting, kept updated lodge lists to screen visitors, and kept the keys to the apron box. Lodge records of the early 18th century also make references to the doorkeeper or garter, and these descriptions continued to be used long after the term Tyler first appeared in 1732 and became commonplace. Regulation number 13 in Anderson's Book of Constitutions, 1723, refers to the duties of guarding the outer door. Another brother, who must be a fellow craft, should be appointed to look after the door of Grand Lodge, but shall be no member of it. The minutes of Swan and Runner Lodge No. 39, extinct in 1751, dated March 10, 1731, state, Brother Johnson be desired to attend to guard the lodge every lodge night, and that he be allowed 18 pence and one pint of wine for his attendance. Generally speaking, doorkeepers and garters were serving brethren, and quite often were landlords of the premises where meetings were being held. In many cases, they did not rise above the entered apprentice degree, and very few were members of a lodge. With the formation of the Premier Grand Lodge in London, lodge procedures developed and the entered apprentice was considered insufficiently qualified to be Tyler, so thereafter the Tyler had to be a Master Mason. Indefatigable Lodge number 237 was convened for the purpose of raising brother Joshua Evans, Tyler, to the lodge, and it was agreed that he is to receive no payment for this night's attendance. In 1738, Reverend Anderson published the New Book of Constitutions and the old regulation number 13 dealing with the appointment of a fellow craft to look after the door was altered to another brother and master mason should be appointed the tiler to look after the door. Lodge of Antiquity number 2, records in the minutes of July 3, 1744, 
ordered that the tyler for the future do deliver out of the summons for the meetings of this lodge, and be paid for the same, one shilling, exclusively of his money for the tiling. The most comprehensive outline of duties required of the tyler is contained in the 1737 bylaws of Lodge of Friendship Number 6. The doorkeeper is to have 12 pence every time of his attendance. He is never to be off-duty in lodge hours, nor be anyhow negligent or remiss in it. He is to take care of the clothing of the members and utensils of ye lodge. He is to offer a list to be subscribed by the members as visitors shall call for to cause them, being vouched for, to enter their names in his list with ye particular lodge to which they belong, and set down who the persons are that recommend them. He is also, before their admission, to receive twelve pence apiece from such visitors, and to produce ye said list and receipts to the master or wardens before the lodge is closed. He is to keep the keys of the apron box, etc., and be ready with it always in good time, or failing any of these, he shall lose his pay for the night. Thirty years later, in 1767, the bylaws of Lodge of Probity No. 61, Halifax, also lay out the duties of the tiler. There is also to be tiler appointed out of the Brotherhood to stand at the door of the lodge, with a naked sword in his hand, for the security of the same, and to give notice to the lodge when any visiting brother shall desire admittance. He is also to refuse admittance. He is also to attend the master, or, in his absence, the deputy master, twice a week to receive his orders, and he is to have one shilling every lodge night for his trouble. He is to refuse admission to any member of the lodge who is not clean and decently clad with a white cloth. It was part of the tiler's duties to set out, on the floor of the lodge room, designs and symbols appropriate to the degree to be conferred. In the early 18th century, they were drawn with chalk and charcoal, and clay models were used with great effect. Many tilers possessed outstanding talent and ability to perform this duty, but in some lodges these illustrations were made by another member skilled in the art of drawing. It can be fully appreciated that in the various perambulations in lodge, brethren would not be permitted to walk across the floor drawing. Thus we have a logical reason for squaring the lodge. As the following minutes of Jerusalem Lodge number 197 show, the tiler was paid separately for this duty. The tiler's remuneration was fixed at one shilling and sixpence each lodge night for tiling the lodge, and two shillings and sixpence for forming a fellowcraft lodge. Section 23 of the bylaws of St. James Lodge number 47 Baton Rouge, adopted in December 1844, exempts the tiler from paying lodge dues and enjoins him to keep the lodge room in good order. The same bylaw set the tiler's wages as one dollar for each meeting. In 1845, the lodge resolved to pay the tiler one dollar and fifty cents for every meeting he attended. The tiler was also responsible for collecting dues and pro rata assessments from members, and for this his remuneration was ten percent of the dues he collected. The duties of the tiler have certainly lessened now that everyone has telephones, fax machines, email, and television. Tracing boards have eliminated the chalk paintings on the floor. However, the tiler still remains an important and traditional officer in a Masonic Lodge. So this next article is from the Masonic Lodge of Education website. And I'm just going to take a piece from here about the tiler, since we're talking about the tiler. And what they explain on here is Tyler, Lodge Officer's Duties. His jewel is the sword, by which he symbolically refuses entrance to anyone who is uninitiated in the craft. The sword has no scabbard, as it is his symbolic duty to always have his sword drawn, ready for the defense of his post. 
The Tyler of a Masonic Lodge is an appointed officer of the Lodge and is sometimes known as the Outer Guard. He sits outside the closed door of the Lodge room armed with a sword. The Tyler's duties and principal role is to ensure that only those who are duly qualified are allowed to enter the Lodge room. He guards against Cowans and eavesdroppers. During the Middle Ages, a Cowan was a man who built stone walls of poor quality. He was an uninitiated or non-apprenticed stonemason, a jackleg if you will. While the Tyler is sometimes called upon to assist in the preparation of candidates, his chief duty is to symbolically keep unskilled workmen from overhearing the conversation within the lodge room. After the lodge members are inside the lodge room, the door closes and it is the Tyler's duty to decide whether late arrivals may enter. It is also his duty to make sure that each visitor is properly clothed, which means they must be wearing their Masonic apron. To be fully and properly dressed before entrance into the lodge room, the visitor must be wearing their apron over the top or on the outside of their suit coat, never under the coat, and the apron strings must be fully tied before the tiler will allow the visitor entrance. Some jurisdictions call this position the outer guard. The tiler's position is similar to that of a supervisor. So as we move to the second article here online, this is the wonder of the internet and the variety of information and places you can get uh, articles from. So this next one I'm going to share is from the District Grand Lodge of Guyana and it's called Duties and Responsibilities of the Tyler by Worshipful Brother Dr. O.E. Hamilton. As appears to be the case with ceremonials, the duties of the Tyler tend to vary from lodge to lodge and sometimes even among lodges using the same ritual. Before dealing with the duties of the Tyler, however, it may be useful to reflect on the authority for, as well as the manner of, his appointment to office. Rule 104 of the Book of Constitutions provides that the regular officers of a lodge, that is to say those officers with whom the lodge must appoint, as distinct from those which the lodge may appoint, shall be the master, the two wardens, a treasurer, a secretary, two deacons, an inner guard, and a tiler. So now I'll take a break and state that in California ritual, we do not have an inner guard and a tiler. Our inner guard would be the junior deacon. So if somebody knocks, the junior deacon gets up to see who it is. Back to the article. In accordance with that same rule, the office of tiler is the only one which may be held by a brother who is not a subscribing member of the lodge, and in that case, he must have been elected to the office by the brethren of the lodge and may be paid for performing his duties. Otherwise, there is a procedure, followed by some lodges in this district, by which he can be appointed by the master of the lodge, but must in that case be a subscribing member of the lodge and may not be paid for performing his duties. In any case, Rule 113 stipulates that he must be a Master Mason and registered as such in the books of the United Grand Lodge of England. It may perhaps be worth noting at this point that in relation to Grand Lodge, the Grand Tyler, like the Grand Secretary, is not necessarily appointed by the Grand Master at the annual installation. Rule 23 states that the Grand Tyler shall be an installed Master. He shall be appointed by the Grand Master as a vacancy occurs and shall continue in office during the pleasure of the Grand Master. Another perhaps interesting provision of Rule 104 is that notwithstanding the practice in some lodges to appoint only past masters, for example, the immediate past master during the previous year to the office of Tyler, that office is at the very bottom of the table of precedence of officers of the lodge. It would seem that there are essentially three categories of Tyler in English Freemasonry, namely, a brother, usually appointed by the master, taking progressive office, 
Remember, the Tyler is at the very bottom of the list. In a situation where the office is a progressive one leading next to inner guard. Next one would be an experienced brother, often a past master elected or appointed to perform the function of Tyler. And the third one is a professional Tyler who will in fact often act for several different lodges and who is invariably paid for his services. Whichever category he falls into, our Tyler's place is outside the door of the lodge armed with a drawn sword. What then are the Tyler's duties? Chambers' 20th Century Dictionary describes him as Freemason's doorkeeper or keeper of the door of a Freemason's lodge. Near enough, it may be said. Our various rituals are somewhat more explicit. Emulation, for example, prescribes the Tyler's duties as follows as they are explained to him by the master of the lodge at investiture, or what we would call installation in California. To see that the candidates are properly prepared and to give the proper reports on the door of the lodge when candidates, members, or visitors require admission. I therefore place in your hand this sword to enable you to keep off all intruders and cowans to masonry and suffer none to pass but such as are duly qualified. And then there's a note, a cowan is a stonemason who has never served an apprenticeship or more appropriately one who tries to enter a Freemason's Lodge surreptitiously. As has been pointed out on innumerable occasions, Freemasonry is not a secret society, but we do have a special significance, functionally and otherwise, for us which we prize and jealously guard. For this and other reasons, therefore, our ceremonies and our lodges need to be appropriately tiled. From what has been said, it is clear that in the performance of his duties, the tiler needs to know what are the proper reports to give on the door of the lodge. Clearly, also, he has to be capable of identifying cowans, intruders, eavesdroppers, and the like, and correspondingly, to be able to recognize those who are duly qualified to enter the lodge. Incidentally, it is not only cowans and intruders whom he must keep off. It may be necessary for him also to deny entry to a brother, otherwise duly qualified, who may, however, be in such condition as to raise a reasonable presumption that his presence in the lodge would be very likely to seriously disturb the proceedings of the lodge. It must be said, however, that unless the circumstances are inappropriate, he must, of course, defer to the judgment and authority of the junior warden in such matters. I'm going to take a quick break there. Now, it's kind of interesting because one of the things that's mentioned there is if the person would seriously disturb the proceedings. So, for example, if you had a few brothers that went out and had some drinks before Lodge and were a little belligerent and a little drunk when they showed up, the Tyler, especially if they showed up late, the Tyler could very well say, Brethren, I know you, I love you, but you're not coming in tonight, and send them on their way. So back to the article. In the above connection, while it is the junior warden's duty to see that all masons who desire to enter the lodge are properly clothed and regaled, it is often the tiler on whom the responsibility devolves, such as in the case of latecomers. For example, and is, as is generally known, only craft and royal arch jewels are permitted to be worn in English craft lodges, and the tiler needs to be able to recognize these jewels. And then what follows is a list of 13 different types of jewels that the tiler would need to know. The tiler would also have to remember that aprons and collars of officers of other lodges, complete with circle and insignia of office, should not be worn in his lodge. Rather, plain aprons should be worn, except of course in the case of the grand officers, provincial and district grand officers, and holders of London grand rank. The tiler, as has already been pointed out, must see that the candidates are properly prepared. 
In that regard, the tiler in most, if not all lodges, in fact, assists in the preparation of the candidate, including dressing him appropriately in strict conformity with the requirements of the ritual with assistance of senior brethren. In the York Rite, in that connection, the peculiar problems in the ceremony of initiation of metal, including rings and the tying of the hoodwink with the cable toe down the back, not the front, also need to be addressed. The tiler has to ensure also that entered apprentices, who have of course been asked to retire, are not able to see the preparation of the candidate for the fellow craft degree and similarly for fellow crafts with respect to the master mason degree. In respect of the exchanges at the door of the lodge between himself and the inner guard during ceremonies of initiation, passing, and raising, the tiler must remember that such, such exchanges must be audible to all within the lodge room. But the tiler with his drawn sword has also a very important symbolic significance and very pivotal duty. In the logic and tailor rituals, for example, this symbolic or moral duty is communicated by the master to the tiler with his sword. The sword morally teaches us to set a guard over our thoughts, a watch at our lips, and to post a sentinel over all our actions, thereby preventing the approach of any unworthy thought, word, or deed, thus preserving conscience void of offense towards God and man. In some lodges, it is the tiler's duty to see that all brethren sign the attendance book in that regard to ensure that the host of a guest signs also that he vouches for that guest. Finally, the festive board. While it is true that the tiler need not give the tiler's toast, or that if he does give it, he need not stand behind the worshipful master. In lodges in Guyana, it is considered the tiler's duty to give the toast, and in doing so, to stand behind the worshipful master, his left hand on the master's shoulder. He should give the toast and then raise his glass and repeat the first line, to all poor and distressed masons, and may continue, wherever dispersed over the face of the earth or water, etc. So the interesting thing is, as I'm reading that, obviously California jurisdiction, our ritual is a little different than the Grand Lodge of Guiana, which takes after the Grand Lodge of England. Um, our Tyler's duties definitely don't match exactly, but that's what makes Freemasonry so cool is when you visit other lodges, when you visit other jurisdictions, or even just reading about it, I've always used the example, it's kind of like a movie you know and love and you see a remake of it, and you go, huh, I know the story, I know the characters, it's a little different, but it's still the story that you know and love. So, hope you're enjoying all the education we're trying to drop on you, and you're learning a little bit about how things are different among jurisdictions. And uh, next time you see your brother Tyler, tell him you've learned a little bit about what his job is in various areas, and shake his hand and slap him on the back. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a comment. We enjoy hearing from our listeners. If you really like what you heard, share this podcast with your friends and lodge members. Visit us online at solomonstaircase.org.